Welcome to Tales from the Bridge. This is another episode of Trivia from the Bridge, and this week we have Robert Duncan McNeil joining us. You probably know Robbie from Star Trek Voyager, Masters of the Universe, one of my favorite films from the 80s. He also has a podcast now called The Delta Flyers, so check those show notes if you're a Star Trek Voyager fan. You're definitely going to want to check out that podcast. Over the next few weeks, we've got more fantasy and science fiction authors joining us on the show, so be sure to come back and check it out. All right, let's make our way over to the bridge. Robbie, how has uh, the Delta Flyers been going? Because I've been listening to you and Garrett, and as a huge Voyager fan, I'm just loving the show. So, yeah, how how how's that been? Yeah, we talked to Robert today, and I'm trying to get Kate Mulgrew back on for a quick pop. And, yeah, it's just been awesome. The the fans have really enjoyed it. And uh, what's, what started as uh, just something to do when the pandemic hit has really turned into a big community. We, I don't know how many downloads now, 3 million downloads or something. It's been quite uh, surprising. So, that's Well, that's fantastic. No. Are you finding yeah. that viewing it through, uh, you know, a little bit of time past that the, the lens is a little different now? Kind of, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. And all the directing experience now, right? Being able to look back. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I find myself often, you know, looking at, what I think uh, works and what I think doesn't work on, on Voyager, you know, and knowing and remembering, remembering that we did those episodes in seven days. And, you know, now the show that I'm a resident alien, we have nine or 10 day schedules and we only do, we did 16 this year, but nine or 10 days for each episode on Voyager, we did 20 sometimes 24 or 26, I think, in a season. And we did them in seven days. So wow. it's a it's one week per season. Wow, that's fast. Yeah. Long that's day. A, yeah. I was going to say, that's a lot of strain on, on your talent. Yeah. When you were filming Voyager, was that on film? Or how, how were you recording the picture? Film, yeah, that was 35 millimeter film, yeah. So that changes everything as well, right? Your seven days is condensed because, well, your takes have to be are different, right? Yeah you, yeah, you can't keep rolling film. Like now you start rolling on the video cameras and or digital cameras and it doesn't matter. It's all free, you know, it mm -hmm. doesn't cost anything. But back then you have a film every second cost money and, and uh, so you had to be very careful. Yeah, a lot mm -hmm. more pressure on getting it right the first time, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, we're here with Robbie McNeil and uh, <laughs> Stephen Fay, and we're going to have a good time playing some trivia here. Let's sure. do this. Jump in. Okay. It's a little bit obscure, but uh, fun nonetheless. Okay. Um, question number one, round one. What was the first sitcom to ever have reruns? I'm going to say The Honeymooners. Oh, no, but that's a good guess. I was going to say, you're, you're in the ballpark for sure. Hmm. I'm going to say Hogan's Heroes. No, no. I love Lucy. One. Hey, nice. I was gonna say you got to go deeper. I love Lucy is correct. It was the very Lucy, first, yeah! very, very first sitcom to ever, ever have reruns. That's right. Wow, yeah, nice one. Yeah, <laughs> I love Lucy. Well, you know what's funny is uh, uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Obviously, you guys probably know this, but they had a. Not only the sitcom, but a studio, a, a Desilu Studios, that produced a lot of things. They ended up buying RKO Studios, RKO Pictures, which is where uh, Star Trek started. So if it wasn't for Lucy 
uh, yeah, Lucille Ball, uh, Star Trek would not exist. So. Yeah. Well, that is something else. Wow. So that yeah. would have been mid late sixties then, or mid mid sixties, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I think she bought RKO in around nineteen sixty or the fifty late fifties, early sixties, and yeah, yeah. So RKO is where uh, Citizen right. Kane was made. Oh, right. And uh, RKO uh, was in Hollywood on Gower Street, Gower and Melrose. And right next to RKO was Paramount Studios, but there was a big wall between them. They were not this. They were not one studio. Oh. And eventually, uh, Desi Lu or Lucille Ball sold RKO or Desi Lu Studios to Paramount, and Paramount tore the wall down. So now Paramount is is you know owns RKO and Desi Lu and all that, but that used to be separate studios. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that is very cool. That's some good trivia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might come back later. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Now this one here is uh, well. I mean, it's a bit of a softball, actually. But we'll uh, we'll get on to, to question number two. Um, and what were the only three Star Trek regulars to all wear three uniform colors? Because there were only three. In Star Trek Forever, from original cast, everybody. Everybody. The only three regulars to mm-hmm. wear all to wear all three uniform colors. Command, operation security, and medical science. Wow. I I don't even know where to begin there. Well, I almost about, think it would be you, because uh, <laughs> you were doing medical for a while, but I know I don't think it was. Um I don't actually actually even... actually Steve. Mm-hmm. He is listed as one of oh, the really? three regulars <laughs> to have worn all three colors. And I have the episodes here too. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty. I love that he got one. Wow. Yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. Red Red Command uh, in Voyager. Yeah. Um, and uh, Operation Security, worst case scenario. And um, Medical uh, was uh, Voyager author, author. Those are all three of the episodes. Um, right. <laughs> Good one, Steve. Nice, well done. I love that. Who else? Now, now, now there is two others though. Does yeah, that's have good. A guess? We need to know. Yeah. Um, so uh, George Takai was the other mm-hmm. was the other person. Yeah. And and, and Robert Picaro, actually, just as you had uh, you mentioned him oh. earlier, he also uh, wore all three. But they are the you were the only three that has worn all three colors wow. that were uh, Star Trek regulars. Yeah. Wow, good to know. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. Bringing back some memories. I'll have, eh? I'll have to bring that up on my podcast from the Delta Flyers. There you go. Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, question number three. We're coming back to Earth here. Which country produces the most coffee in the world? Brazil? Nice. That is correct. Is it? That is correct. It is, yeah. And now, do you have any idea? Like percentage wise, how much? Oh, of of the world supply of, of the coffee? world supply of coffee, sixty percent. It's it's forty percent actually oh, because because the, because the rest yeah. of the countries only make up like fractions of the rest of the <laughs> of the rest okay. of it. Yeah, that's funny. I would have liked Colombia, but uh, but I knew that was wrong. So. Well, they've got to be up there for sure. Yeah, they've got to be. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's Brazil by a landslide, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Wow. (laughs) 
You guys oh, coffee man. guys or tea guys? What do you think? I am a coffee guy. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Coffee all the way, man. Can't survive without it. Well, we got Robbie's got a little bit of a little bit of an edge so far. Let's see Ooh. how we do. All right. So this next one here. What recently announced technology is NASA testing for launching satellites into low Earth orbit using 70% less fuel than rockets? Slingshot. The spin launch, the A33 suborbital mass accelerator, yeah. or the slingshot. They're literally, yeah, they're going to spin it around at 5,000 miles per hour and then fling it up into the, into the atmosphere. Nothing it's living. Wow. It's crazy. No, no, no. Nothing <laughs> No. Nothing living. Uh, it, nothing, uh, nothing, nothing very, uh, um, I no. guess that anything fragile. It would have to be something. No. That's... Well, yeah, because they're reaching yeah. uh, hypersonic speeds, apparently, uh, which mm. is above Mach 5. Uh, they're able to reach in their tests so far. So, yeah, yeah. So and also, and then they release it at the right trajectory for it to head up. Yeah. Think about exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's literally it's 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 funny because it sounds so archaic, um, but it's so brilliant in its simplicity and yeah, much yeah. more environmentally friendly as well too. Just pretty awesome. Yeah. But the the thing is though, is you, you sacrifice your payload, right? You, yes. you wouldn't be able to get the amount of equipment that's needed. Like mm -hmm. for example, what, what NASA is doing with rockets, your payload is so much greater for taking up parts for space stations or even extra fuel. So spin launch isn't going to be, they're probably just going to be throwing up uh, satellites. Satellite, probably, that's, yeah. that's that's basically yeah. it, but isn't, isn't I would say even else? components, components of space station stuff that's tough and can take the spin, something mm -hmm. that's heavy that's not going to get wrecked. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. pretty. Speaking cool. of all those satellites, I am speaking to you uh, from my very this is my very first video conference on Elon Musk's uh, uh, Starlink <laughs> system that we no just way afternoon. I own it. I, I was going to say Steve <laughs> just got it as well. Yeah, that's yeah, concern. we. Yeah, we uh, have you. Are you operating with it now? No, I'm in Toronto on Bell, but I have a place up on the Lakeland uh, in Sudbury area where there's good fishing. I have a cottage up there, and the internet sucked. It was uh, yeah. out to a satellite that was in geosynchronous orbit, so you can imagine the speed. But now with Elon Musk's system of uh, several thousand satellites that are in low Earth orbit, uh, it uh, it simply picks up a satellite for about six minutes, and then you can get an app that will show you how it switches to the next satellite and the next wow. and the next. And what you've got there and what I have, uh, I was blown away instantly by how wonderful it was fast. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the first time I'm using it, but it's so far so good. It seems dramatically better than what we had before. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All right. Last question in round one. Question number five. Name the actor who played Hoban Wash Washburn who served as the pilot of the famed transport ship Serenity. Oh, uh, Alan Tudyk, of course. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, we need to know now, Robbie, Yeah, what's it like working with Alan? Because he just seems like a blast. He's, he's, a, he's a, a unique individual, for sure. Very, very smart. Incredibly gifted with uh, physical comedy and just a creative mind. And very professional. He's a hard worker. He really, he takes his comedy very seriously um, and uh, works really hard to squeeze every moment and every ounce out of things. So he's great. He's awesome. And you both, uh, you both went to Juilliard. Is that correct? 
Yeah, we both dropped out too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, he came from uh, Alan is from Texas, and I think he um, went to Juilliard wanting to explore, you know, uh, some really challenging and interesting things. But I don't think the the strict nature Juilliard has a very strict kind of sequence of classes that you must do and you must do it their way. And he didn't like that very much. So uh, I don't know if he was only there a year or maybe two years, but he did not finish. And I was there a year and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually loved it. I'd never had formal training uh, the way that Juilliard taught. I just got a, I got a job and, uh, and it was a television series, regular sort of job and I wanted to take it. So I, I left uh, Juilliard, but yeah, Alan Tudyk and I talk a lot about some of the teachers there. Some of the teachers we both loved, some of the classes that we loved, and some of the classes that we hated. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. Nice. Well, hey, uh, having to leave because you were too busy actually working can't be a bad thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Want to head into round two here, Ryan? Round two. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So uh, we are going to actually we're going to do a little bit of a callback here. Um, so can either of you name the first pilot episode of the Star Trek original series? The Cage. The Cage is correct. It's the remake. Oh. But, 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 but The Cage was the one that was rejected by NBC until our friend Lucy decided oh. that it deserved a second chance. And it was her studio, as you brought up earlier, that actually financed a second pilot, which at that point, yep. and even now is absurd um, that a that a second pilot would be financed by anyone after being turned down by a major studio like that. Um, yeah. And so another reason why Star Trek probably would not have existed if it wasn't for Lucille Ball, because she, she actually is the one that did the funded where no man has gone before. And what wow. is really interesting is how well uh, discovery for guys like me that love Star Trek uh, wove in uh, a, a scene going into Talos Four and recreated a lot of the stuff from the cage. From the cage, you know, yeah. Decades later, it was really wonderful to see. Mm -hmm. A little bit gratuitous, yeah. but anyway, it was still fun. What can I say? Yeah, no, I I, just, I love that because you when you brought up the Lucy thing, I was like, oh my goodness, it's like he read my notes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> such a such a great little tidbit. Yeah, I'm gonna take us back to Earth again. <laughs> All right, shucks. <laughs> Which mammal has no vocal cords? Uh, a whale. No, I would say a giant sloth. No, it's no. it's a weird one. I don't know anyone who would know this, but uh, I think their necks are so long that it would be hard to make oh, sound oh. travel. Giraffes. Yeah, a giraffe. I didn't, I didn't know that. Wow. That's I so feel weird. like I've I've heard a giraffe make a noise, but I guess not. <laughs> That's really good. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. That's a either. weird one. Yeah. Yeah. That's so All funny. right, give that one to Robbie. Uh, yeah, I got. It. I had a big clue there. Half a million. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, I tried to make this as even-handed as I could. All right? And you'll know why mm -hmm. after. So, Antares, which is the lar uh, one of the largest known stars, mm -hmm. it has several mm -hmm. hundred times the diameter of the sun. 10,000 times its luminosity. Mm -hmm. But it's also the brightest star in which constellation? I should know this. I guarantee it's not Orion because that's Betelgeuse. Um, 
Hmm. And I promise I won't look it up. I should know this. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So Tim, I... Tim Russ would know this. Tuvok. Tim Russ would know this because he's a big astronomer. He's always out there watching stars. He would know this, but I, I have no clue. Well, as a, as a Scorpio, Robbie, um, yes. you really should know that uh, it is the brightest, the brightest star in Scorpius or Scorpio. Really? And uh, it's also so because Antares is also known as the heart of the scorpion. So, oh, there you go. Okay. Good one. <laughs> well, I'm going to change this one up a little bit here because uh, we just mentioned Tim Russ, who is awesome. And uh, yep, he is. he's always doing something. Can you name Tim Russ's band? Oh, gosh. No. Now they just played on a crew, a Star Trek or a Star Trek cruise. That's amazing. I don't know. I feel like I've seen it. I really want to know. On announcements and things, but I have no idea. I think I kind of just gave it away too. <laughs> the cruisers? The Tim Russ crew. Crew. Ah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's going on my Spotify for sure. <laughs> but I also see Tim Russ band, so I'm. Uh, I have Could to say, that. I have not. I have not seen them live. Um, I would love to, though. I, I I imagine seeing Tim Russ on stage playing in a band on a Star Trek cruise would be incredible. Uh, do you have you done those, Robbie? Have you done the cruises? I have not done a cruise. I'm supposed to do, uh, my, wife, my wife and I are supposed to go on a cruise next uh, next March, I think. That would be the first one that I ever have done. So yeah. I hear it's amazing. Everybody that went on the, uh, the big cruise this year, um, just recently, a month or so ago, said mm -hmm. it was an incredible time. So all right. Ryan. Well, all right. So question five. Uh, so what was the first science fiction film to depict humans traveling in a faster than light starship of their own creation? Faster than light starship of their own creation. Not or lost in space. Star? No, not lost in space. But getting closer in that uh, getting, time period. Getting though. closer to that time period. Absolutely. Leslie Nielsen. Oh, for God's sake. Don't know it. I love Lesson Nielsen. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a film called Forbidden Planet. Oh, yeah. And when you see the, the poster or the, the robot, you'll be like, oh, yeah, it's Robbie the robot. Uh, yeah. it was, it's one of those ones where, like, it's in the zeitgeist so much um, and is often referenced as kind of the closest analog to, um, to Star Trek, like pre Star Trek. But uh, yeah, so anyway, it was yeah, it was uh, especially when you see the robot, you're like, oh yeah, that's the that's the science fiction robot. He's got oh, like yeah. the, he's got like the claw hands and the you know. I gotta look it up. I gotta read it. I gotta look. What yeah, yeah, it. check it out. Leslie and Leslie Nielsen was the star of it. Yeah, wow. and you wouldn't recognize him either because he just he did have what we remember of Leslie Nielsen from the '80s and on. Doesn't look like Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I bet. Was he a handsome like leading man kind of look? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, big and big busty guy too. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, just unrecognizable as as uh, Leslie Nielsen. But also, it's a it is a very good film. It's um, very oh, yeah. watchable. It's aged yeah. well. Wow. 
It also, um, like the Robbie the Robot character, it was one of the first times too when like a robot wasn't used as a prop. He was used as like an actual part of the ensemble. Like he, he hmm. plays an integral role, narrative role and, and a supportive role, um, even like showing emotion and personality for the first time in film as well, which is really kind of cool and really opened the door for, you know, other writers to, right. to use that. It's very cool. All right, let's just head right into the final round here. Question one of round three is, while on the Paramount lot during filming Deep Space Nine, Sirak Lofton, who played Jake Sisko, ran into Tom Hanks. Tom told Sirak he was on his way to a meeting to discuss filming what film sequel? Forrest Gump 2. No. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> no, that is that's it. it. <laughs> that is it. Oh, my God. I can't believe you guessed that. That's so funny. They did a sequel to that, didn't they? No, they didn't. They didn't. No. But they... But he said he was going to make it the sequel to Forrest Gump. Well, he said he was going to a meeting to discuss it. So either that's just what he said, uh, or oh, maybe oh. they were actually. See, the thing is, there is a Forrest Gump two, or a, there is a second book. So it's possible that know, someone adapted that. that book into a screenplay. Well, and, and it was uh, so successful, I could see them wanting to go back to the well, right? Like for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's so funny. I can't believe you guessed. You got ten points for that. That's wow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Steve. You're, there's no way you're coming back from that. That's hilarious. He guessed <laughs> no. an answer that isn't even real. That's amazing. Mind you, you did Robbie. get an, mind you, Steve, you did get an answer that was Robbie. So I feel like there's a bit of a balance there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this uh, this character was the first Native American character to ever be featured regularly on a Star Trek series. Regularly. Oh, Native American. Okay. You got yeah. it. Yeah, oh. that's right. Yeah, portrayed by he, Robert is Beltran. He, is Robert Beltran indigenous? I didn't he is that. not. No, but his character no, was. Not. No, Robert was actually yeah. Mexican American. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I knew I, he was I playing. I talked about this uh, issue on the Delta Flyers podcast. I yeah. In uh, you know, looking back on that character being played by a non-indigenous actor. Uh, written as a very non-specific uh, indigenous person, it, it it that would not happen nowadays. No, 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 no nor nor should it. No. Yeah. Um, Although I gotta say, he did well. Oh, he did. He did really well. He yeah. played. He played the character beautifully. Yep. But the, the whole, you know, one of the things that I cannot believe they did is they created a fake tribe. For him they uh, and then they found this consultant who turned out to be a fraud oh my that what? that they didn't that they didn't even really consult because they just wanted to say we have a consultant but they didn't really use this guy Optics. and he tried to be a fraud anyway so the mm. whole thing was a bit of a um a bit of a mess yeah mm. and, oh uh, my goodness yeah but but robert did a great job and uh in spite of all of that, I think the intentions were good, but you know, people just didn't really think about what they were doing in the same way that they would now. So. No, and yeah, this mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, and just and just the simple fact of about you know representation, even aside, just professionally, you're telling me there wasn't you know an indigenous person that needed the work. You know what I mean? Like to to <laughs> as well, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Wow. Yeah. But no, he did. He did. Uh, you know. 
you did a great job with it for sure. Mm -hmm. Even even if you think about you know the tattoo on yeah Robert Beltran's head, um, uh, Michael Westmore has said that he was inspired to create that tattoo from Maori culture, which is South Pacific. It's you know New Zealand. Mm -hmm. This is you know it's a That's it's a it's a whole different kind of um, ethnic background than sort of a Native American, and yet it was sort of all mushed in as if it's the same thing. So that was a that's a very astute uh, observation, Ravi. Uh, as you know, or maybe will know, I've worked with Indigenous people for 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 a couple of decades, and I've met with Maori people and also uh, the Aboriginal people from uh, Australia, and that's yeah. exactly what I felt as well. That it was more closely related to the Maori tribes, and uh, yes. So uh, yeah, that's really really great to hear you say that because I believe that yeah. to be to be to be uh, to be true. Well, and definitely yeah. at this point, um, you know, there's there's many more strides being made to make sure that everything's being done with proper representation, and, and those consultants that before were just window dressing are are being used, you know, yeah. to their to their fullest now for sure. Absolutely, you can just tell even with some of the newer series, right, that they're making more of a push for actual yeah. representation, which is great. Very much on Resident Alien, the show that I produce. Uh, yeah, you know, that's right. With a handful of, of, of First Nations or Indigenous uh, actors and characters, and we do have multiple consultants that are legitimately Indigenous in North America and can speak about um, Indigenous traditions and, and the nuance and detail. We even had a, a, an episode with a, with a, uh, like a, a, a small town fair, right? And we wanted to have booths of people that would be selling, you know, crafts or foods or t-shirts. We had, we, we found some indigenous t-shirt, you know, uh, apparel makers and, and um, uh, a, a handful of different indigenous people that had real businesses that we brought in to uh, be part of that, that fair, that family day festival. And so we felt like it was really important to not not put up like dream catchers and have some extra who looks indigenous. We yeah. wanted to have real indigenous people with real indigenous products that they make yeah. and help support them. So anyway, um, awesome. yeah, it's, I think things are much, much better than than back when we first, when we were making Voyager in the nineties. No, that's great. And it all comes from people like yourself making that push, right? That's where that comes from for sure. I noticed that off episode one, when watching uh, resident alien that right away, I was like, okay, there's some great representation right off the hop. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. It would make, uh, make Roddenberry happy for sure. Yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it would. Um, all right. All right. Let's go to question three. What country has the most vending machines per capita? <laughs> <laughs> Japan. Yes. Hey, it is Japan. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well and done. I, yeah. 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 So manufacturers started lending machines for free of charge to anyone, and that's how they skyrocketed in the eighties and nineties and throughout the two thousands. Wow. But I want to know: do you, do you guys think that vend, vending that's machines funny. are a thing? For the future, do you think we see more vending machines everywhere in the future, or do they kind of stay uh, a little bit obscure? What What do you think? Do you think we get less humans, more vending machines? What's the future I look think, like? I think the future looks a lot like there's a human face. We have vending machines happening right now in places we're not even aware of, like McDonald's or these fast food restaurants. Yep. 
there are robotic machines making the food, like vending machines in the back, basically. Yeah. And you just have that human face at the window or at the counter that hands you your burger and fries. But the, the robots and the machines are doing it in the back. Um, oh, I yeah. I think that's already happening. So I, I think it's going to be a bit more of a robotic kind of, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be prepared by robots, but served by a human or maybe take the human out of it. And it's just, yeah, you push a machine and you see it get made. And yeah, well, as, as the, as the slide um, backwards with minimum wage, at least that we see here, especially, yeah. um, you know, not being able to create equitable working environments for exactly. everyday people. I mean, these corporations, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> they, they won't make the human choice. So they'll, they'll go the other way, right? They're mm -hmm. like, <laughs> they're not going to sacrifice their profit so that you can make a decent wage. They're going to, they're going to get a robot to make your burger instead. Yep. Or, yeah, or make absolutely. you do it yourself. When you go check out at the grocery store now, you do it yourself. Right? Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Take care of it yourself. Indeed. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So this one, I don't know. We'll see. This one might be a bit of a, uh, a challenge for both, but we'll see how far we get. Um, there are several Star Trek episodes whose titles are pulled from Shakespeare quotes. And I've got a list of about six of them in front of me. Hmm. And, bas and basically, if you can name one, you get a point for every one you can name. I couldn't do it quickly. <laughs> I don't think I could either. This is tough, no. Ryan. It's, I know well, yeah, yeah. I no, I, I, I also didn't realize the amount of like tie-ins as well just in terms mm -hmm. of like oh, themes of and, yeah well mm -hmm. and, and like direct and indirect and mm -hmm. yeah no i was just surprised i wasn't sure just because yeah since i got the six i wasn't sure if anyone would be able to throw out one or i can tell you scenes where where shakespeare was was used uh if an obvious one was in star trek uh uh five of, no six sorry six voyage home um you know, let do let loose the dogs of war, but I, that's not a title. That's just right. a scene. So um, I can't give I you can't. one off the top of my head. Sorry, I don't know about you, Robbie, but I, I can't. You can't think of one either. I'm I'm. Uh, all right. Well, maybe maybe this will bring back some uh, some memories. Then there's there's Dagger of the Mind. Oh, that's a good I've one. Got yeah. one from Voyager, Mortal Coil. That's a Shakespeare quote. Yes, Mortal. yes, it is. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good one. Little Coil was a, was a title. Yeah, I only know this because of the Delta Flyers podcast, and I'm, I'm going back to <laughs> Mortal Coil. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. That's that right. Fun. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so yeah, Dagger of the Mind, uh, which is a Macbeth reference, and no, then, yeah. uh, the, the Conscience of the King, which is a oh, Hamlet a reference. Oh, that's, yeah. Um, all of our yester uh, Yesterdays, which is mm -hmm. another Macbeth quote. Mm -hmm. Good one. Um, mm -hmm. By any other name, it's a Romeo and Juliet reference. Mm -hmm. um, What's by, is, that a, is that a TNG? By any other name? Uh, yes, yes, it is actually. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Whom Gods Destroy, um, it's a reference to Sonnet 18. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Elam of uh, Treus is uh, from the Taming of the Shrew. But actually, mm -hmm. that whole that whole episode apparently is lifted, basically. The, it's it's the taming of the shrew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know there's a, quite a, quite a few times when we were started to dig dig yeah. deep into it, and even that uh, uh, that forbidden planet that we had mentioned earlier, um, mm -hmm. there apparently is uh, some people that uh, believe loosely loosely or not that it was uh, 
uh, La Tempest, basically. It was like retelling of the Tempest, but in space is the isolation themes and the, and the different characters and things like that. So, and let's not forget that Robbie won the Dramalogue Award for Best Actor as Romeo <laughs> in the Ford Theater production of Romeo and Juliet. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Nice. When, uh, when would that have been? Well, that probably was 92 or 93, 93 maybe, maybe a year before Voyager, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I did. I did a production in Los Angeles of Romeo and Juliet at the John Anson Ford Theater, and I played Romeo. And uh, Megan Follows, who's well known to Canadians as uh, Anne of Green Gables back in the right. day. That's right. Um, Megan Follows played Juliet, and she had just played that that role at the um, at the Stratford Festival. And um, so she, uh, the year before, she played uh, Juliet there. So it was a, it was a wonderful production. She was very, um, very confident in the role. She had done it for you know six months before uh, at the Stratford Festival. And uh, yeah, I love that production. It was fun. Right. Very. Cool. So you had you've been to Stratford to see productions. I have not. No, I've we always haven't. wanted to go there. I I would love to. Because I think Ryan, Ryan, you're probably about a half an hour from Stratford, aren't you? I am. Somewhere I am. Yeah. I actually, I used to work in live, uh, live theater uh, on the production side. But so yeah, I actually mm-hmm. worked at Stratford for a little while. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. it's a very well-known, very highly respected uh, theater company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a rich history. Yes. All right, guys. Last question of round three here: Who did the cat in The Godfather belong to? Now, I'll make this one multiple choice here. So, you know the cat that uh, Marlon Brando has while he's sitting behind the desk. Did yeah. the cat belong to Francis Ford Coppola or Diane Keaton, Al Pacino, or no one? The cat was a stray. Hmm. Total guess on my part. So, Robbie, go ahead. I'm going to say Francis Ford Coppola. No. I would no. say a stray then. Yes, the cat was a stray. <laughs> Not sure where they found the cat, but somewhere near the set, obviously. But Coppola was, um, he was like that, right? He just kind of went uh, went with things as he could. He was such, yeah. a, such a talented director. That's a beautiful um, looking stray cat. Just got to say, it's a nice looking <laughs> cat. It well, up. it looks tough, right? It, it, it had to look a little bit tough as well. Since mentioning... Um, such a a great director, well-known director. Robbie, can you tell us a little bit about your transition to directing from acting? Did you kind of just not want to act anymore or did your desire to direct just overpower your want to act? I had wanted to direct for a long time and um, I had started shadowing directors for four years before Voyager started. So I had been very interested in directing um, for the camera. I directed uh, some small theater productions, and but I, I really felt like I wanted to try that. As soon as I started doing it, it just felt like a better fit to me. I, I had loved acting, but I felt like by the time I, I was on Voyager, I had done a little bit of everything I ever wanted to do. I had done uh, a, a variety of theater productions. I'd been on Broadway. I'd been in big touring productions. I'd, I'd done movies. I'd done TV shows. So I, I felt 
uh, at that point that directing was just a better fit. I didn't feel the bug to act anymore. And it's been great. But I, I you know, nowadays I, I think about dabbling in acting again. I don't know that I would want to pursue it full time. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I got to do a voice on Lower Decks. That was fun. I got to bring Tom <laughs> Paris back. That's right. Uh, with some, some voice acting. And that was a lot of fun. And um, I actually had a, an acting school in Atlanta, Georgia, where I was living a few years ago and uh, uh, really enjoyed working with actors. And I actually did some scenes with the actors in, in a class environment. And uh, and it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I may get I may dabble back in some acting again. We'll see. Is there a character in Resident Alien that you're like, you know what? I'd love to do that one. <laughs> I Not don't yet. know. Not yet. There hasn't been one that's come along yet, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That would be very fun. Yeah, it would be fun. All right. So what have we got for points there, Ryan? Um, well, <laughs> I'd like to say that it was close. Uh, and it actually, it was. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad at all. We've got Steve. We got Steve with seven points. And and Robbie, that, I don't know, Forrest Gump too. <laughs> that, that really, I mean, I gotta be. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Let's just, you know what? Let's just say it's close. It's close. Yeah, yeah. it's close. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that, that was so yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a lot of fun, and uh, it was a lot of fun. yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, um, if uh, if any of our our listeners are interested in checking out the Delta Flyers, where where would we find you? Oh, you can find the Delta Flyers uh, audio podcast on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your yeah. podcast. It's everywhere there. And uh, those are our recaps of the episode. And then beyond that, we do a lot more on Patreon for subscribers on Patreon, where we've got interviews with actors, behind the scenes stuff, uh, deep dives, and a lot of bonus material we put in there. So yeah, you can, you can try it out for free on the, on the, uh, Spotify or iTunes sites. And if you want to go a little deeper, um, check out the Patreon site. That's nice. awesome. And, and just wondering, I know with things opening up and things changing, do you ever do any live shows? Uh, we haven't done our podcast live. We've talked about it. Uh, I've just been in Canada and Garrett's been in Las Vegas. And so we haven't been in the same part of the world, but we're, we're trying to figure out how to do that. We'd like to do that at some point. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Right now. Yeah. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. This was a lot of fun. It was Absolutely. a lot of fun. Good luck, you guys, with your show, and take care. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed that one. We certainly did. Over the next few weeks, we've got some great conversations with more sci-fi fantasy authors. Join us again. Let us know what you think of the show. Do you like the trivia episodes? Let us know. We'd love to find out. Thank you again. Until next time.